0: of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana,
1: and financially supported by
2: listeners like you. Good evening, I'm William Hosea, welcome to Bring It On, a multiple award-winning program celebrating over 12 years as Indiana's only weekly community radio show, committed to exploring the people, issues, and events impacting the African-American community here in Bloomington.
1: Hello, I'm Cornelius Wright, and in today's broadcast, you'll also hear our perspective on what's relevant in the African-American world
2: of news and local events of interest, all in the next hour on Bring It On. First, each year, the City of Bloomington Black History Month Committee plans activities and events for the community to celebrate and commemorate the month of February as Black History Month. This year's theme is Black Herstory Month, illuminating the gifts of black women, now before I go any further, let me give a shout out
1: to William and his lovely life wife Wanda for an exceptional job of emceeing at the Black History Month Gala held this past weekend. Actually, they, had, they could have another profession as uh, George and Gracie. Now people my age will know what that means, but others may not. Uh, as this is our final Black History Month broadcast for 2017, you could
2: say, say we saved the best for last. Doggone people.
3: <laughs> I'm with you on the shout out
2: yes indeed with us tonight representing all that is phenomenal about our black women in Bloomington we have assembled our three black elected officials for Bloomington and Monroe County who remarkably just happen to be women
1: and joining us to speak on life as elected officials our Bloomington and Monroe County's hidden figures Nicole Brown Bloomington City Clerk no County Clerk
3: (laughs) County, County, clerk. County
1: Clerk, excuse me, yeah. Monroe yeah. County Clerk, and the Honorable Valerie Houghton, who is a Monroe County Circuit Court judge, and Bloomington City Clerk, Nicole Bolden. Ladies, welcome to Bring It On. Uh, Thank let's you. get Thank one you thing care. straight right I'm off sure. the bat. We'll judge
2: Val ain't so hidden. <laughs> <laughs>
3: See, I okay. could say I don't know how to take that. Yeah, see, I told yeah. you I was going to have a little something uh-huh. for
2: you. Yeah. There's okay. only way the great Judge Val could take anything mm. as a compliment.
3: <laughs> and I will do so.
2: I'll thank you. figure out the specifics later on. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so who wants to take the first question? We want to know how you got your start in, in public, uh, public service.
3: Judge Val. That was very smooth. Why, thank you. Clerk Nicole. Um, I was active in politics, but I have always known that I wanted to well, when I was little, I wanted to be a, ju- a lawyer. I wanted to be the first black Supreme Court justice, and then I realized that wasn't realistic. But then um, later I decided I wanted to be a criminal a criminal attorney. Uh, life kind of hit me, and so I, I took a detour and was a mental health counselor for almost 20 years first but then when i was 40 i decided enough time had passed and i was going to go to law school so after being a prosecutor for about 12 years and being active in other people's uh campaigns i decided with a little urging from a couple of people that i'd throw my hat in the ring and run for judge
2: from prosecutor to judge did you ever work on the defense side yes uh... i did Okay.
3: I, I I have, I think the honor and distinction of having been having done both. I was a prosecutor in Marion County and then here for a total of maybe twelve years. Spent a couple of years on campus doing consulting, and then I was in the public defender's office as an attorney there for about eighteen months you right know, as, before as, I got elected.
1: As a person who I <coughs> got into public service to do to make some changes and to do good. Being a defense attorney and a prosecutor, where do you think you could make the most changes, or where did you find out after being in the job that you could well, make the most and, changes? And
3: I'm glad you said that, or asked that, because for the longest time, I was I was going to be, you know, a, a defense attorney. I was going to be a public defender and defend the downtrodden and take care of all those folks and and just kind of take care of the little person. And used to argue that you know. De- Prosecutors were law enforcement, and they were just another part of being the man. And and then, just serendipitously, I guess, I ended up getting hired by the prosecutor in Marion County. So I said, okay, fine, and realized after a while that I had a lot more control and a lot more power to help people out as a prosecutor because you get to decide— who gets charged, what they get charged with, or even if you're gonna go forward with charges because it may be that you don't have enough evidence to, mm-hmm. to, you know, to prosecute someone and, and that gives you a lot of freedom and a lot of leeway to, to make sure that some people that just really, you know the evidence isn't there so you just don't, don't go forward
2: with it. That's an interesting uh, perspective. I never thought about it that mm-hmm. way, but, but yeah, I, I can understand what you're saying. You're absolutely mm-hmm. right. Okay, so which one of the Nicoles wants to uh, tell us how to <laughs> in public service? Madam
1: Clark. And for our listeners that don't know, you might hear some of the banter in the room. Nicole Bolden is the daughter of Judge Valerie Houghton, so you, you may hear a little bit of interaction here.
3: Just a little.
0: That is true, and I would say I got my start in public service in large part due to my mother and father. There's a lot of... Um, there's a family tradition of working for, in public. There's a lot of volunteerism. I've always seen my mother work in public service, and I started out working for city government, and I was surprised at how much I enjoyed it.
3: Um, and you also helped me with my campaign. And well, so you- and
0: I was also working on political campaigns, and I was working with local political groups. That is true. Thank you. So um, the year before I ended up running myself, I ended up managing my mother's campaign, and that was not something I had planned on doing, but I got to see a firsthand look at what it was like to run a campaign and to manage it, and um, it was a very telling experience <laughs> because you get to see just how much energy it takes, not just to see somebody doing the job of being an elected official, which is entirely different from watching somebody actually run for office, Um, and so that was an educational experience in and of itself, so making that decision to run for office and then becoming part of the elected office was, um, it was a step I felt like I wanted to take, and I had a lot of people around me who encouraged me and supported me in that decision, so I was very lucky because I have my family here and my friends, and they supported me in my decision. And I think it's important to have that when you run for elected office. Oh,
3: huh, yeah.
2: And a lot of, a lot of uh, politicians owe their success to their campaign managers. Mm-hmm. And obviously in your case, because mom won.
0: Well, I'm an outstanding campaign
2: manager. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean,
2: and I
3: was an outstanding candidate, yeah. so what can
2: you say?
0: It, it, you it really is more about you know what, campaign you know manager. It, it,
2: it's Silly me, I totally <laughs> forgot who I was <laughs> doing. So you just walked right in <laughs> and, yeah. and didn't. Yeah, yes, I did. I
1: think you
0: set it up.
2: And so, Nicole, how about
1: yourself? Yeah.
4: Well, I am not from a political background, um, but I have worked for city, state, and county government offices. I serendipitously Mm -hmm. (laughs) was selected by former... It's a good word, isn't it? It is a great word, Your Honor. Thank you. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Serendipitously, former Monroe County Clerk Linda Robbins appointed me as her chief deputy when her former chief deputy left to take a job at the university. And my plan was actually to take... um, some managerial experience from that and move forward in another capacity. Um, It is not very long before you find yourself in the political world where um, you're strongly encouraged to stay there Mm -hmm. and to do the best with your gifts to benefit the Monroe County citizens. I've always seen myself as someone who supported other candidates in doing that. Um, So it's very different to be on this side. But now that I am, I was caucused in as your Monroe County clerk last March, and since that time, I've come to enjoy the opportunity I have to advocate for Monroe County government.
1: Living here in in the heart of the Midwest, Mm -hmm. I find it amazing to be sitting here with three elected officials in such a small town. Now, a couple of questions. One, the pitfalls and problems running as a woman and a black woman, and two, have you seen... What the problems may be for black males who have thought about running for elected office, because obviously there's none in office right now.
3: That's true. I think the last time I remember anybody running was when Jim Sims ran for uh, city council. Well, and Al
1: Mans also ran and, for judge, and
3: Al Mans has run for for judge. Um, it's it's an interesting combination of political activism and just getting to know people quite frankly i i think even if well for the people that are running for office getting to know let's say key political entities in town is important being involved in activities not just political activities but community activities is very very important and it's um You know, everybody has their own reasons and their own abilities. And and sometimes, because it takes so much time and so much effort and you lose so much sleep, some people just may not, may be surprised at how much of their lives they're kind of, I don't want to say sacrificing, but how time-consuming and energy-consuming a campaign can be. Now, why there are not more men in public office, I honestly can't tell you, but I think that when I first ran, there was one woman judge. And so there was kind of a big push. And, and quite frankly, the Democratic Women's Caucus was a big player in in promoting women and encouraging women to run for office. So So that may have been that kind of extra push that, or boost that I got You know, at the time that I decided to run. And I'm not sure that that's entirely true for any men of color, especially black men, um, that have decided to run. I can't.
1: Well, Well, I know Nicole is the only black elected official in the city of Bloomington.
0: That is true. And um, (laughs) I'm the first black woman elected to a citywide seat. And prior to me, there's only been one black male that I can find who's been elected to a citywide seat, and that was Paul Swain, Mm -hmm. who was a city um, council council member at large. I don't know if it's a question of timing or placement or anything else. I think that city elections are a slightly different animal. They're on off years. So for those seats in particular, it really does matter where you are running, who you know, Um, what support you have and how much name recognition you have because for city council seats in particular, if you're running for city council, either you're running in your neighborhood and a lot of times the people who are running in those seats are people who are very well known to their neighbors and who (coughs) have been there for a long time or um, have been involved in city events for a long time or have been planning runs for years. We have a council member now who's in their first term but they started attending council meetings two years prior to the election. So they were doing their homework and had planned out their run for Just a as, long an time. Just uh-huh. as an observer, Just as an observer and made it very clear to everybody, I'm running for this seat, this is important to me, and really planned out their run. I don't think that was as much a question of gender or race, I think that was a question of communication and preparation, which is not something that anybody lacks. But that was in a district that was more diverse than another district on a different side of town that might have had a different reaction. So I think at-large commu- or at-large races have a different makeup than certain districts. And I think that's just something that we all have to recognize when we're running in Bloomington or Monroe County, that we're a wonderful community, but there are different areas of town that run toward different um, biases. And Uh we have to recognize those biases, especially when we're running in smaller races.
2: Okay. Now, that was Nicole, the city clerk. We're going to go over to Nicole, the county clerk. (laughs) (laughs) What do you think about the Women's March following the inauguration, and do you anticipate that energy and enthusiasm being transferred to the local level?
4: Well, I have to tell you that, that was just the most phenomenal thing to see um, and I have to I truly believe that a lot of the energy was there was because of so many women in Monroe County who prepared for that and announced that they were going and enlisted the support of the community and so a lot of the uh, impact that was felt in on that day.
2: So I so. mean have
4: you made a hat? I mm-hmm. made a hat, I, You know what, my chief deputy made a hat. I don't have that skill.
0: <laughs> you know how to so, delegate.
2: I <laughs> don't know <I don't laughs> how to delegate. But you know how to delegate, and that's so what So instead of it being transferred to the local level, you're saying it started at I the local level. I think it
4: was here. I think we took it to D.C. I think they know where Bloomington, Indiana is on the map, mm-hmm. and it was so exciting to watch that unfold.
1: In, the, in this current political climate, do you think the advancement of African-American women or women in general, that this is a conducive uh, conducive time?
3: No. I'm, I mean, young- I'm sorry. I, I realize I said that. I jumped on that. But, well, but it's one of those, I mean, we have a person in the White House who has bragged about his sexual abuse and and sexual exploits how can that possibly be something that's that's a positive well i guess
1: in a follow-up also for our younger listeners out there especially our young black women with that attitude and it seeming the acceptability of that by so many how would you recommend they deal with that right now
3: not to let it be normalized I, i think that's key i i personally think that every time we see an instance of someone that seems to accept it or say well that's just fill in the blank to to call that out and call it for what it is 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 vulgar it's inappropriate It's disrespectful and it's not treating women as equals it's not treating women as uh people you know who are equal in their own rights that uh, women have fought very hard i mean everyone has i understand that blacks have women have black women have but we have the right to be treated with respect to expect equal pay to expect equal opportunities and to have someone who has exhibited such quite frankly racist misogynist homophobic uh xenophobic and and religious intolerant attitudes i i think that's just beyond the pale and i think that all of us have a duty as citizens to call that out
0: you know i think i disagree with you about it not being conducive to african americans and women to run for office though because there's been such a tremendous pushback that it is actually catapulting people to what do you're saying. more. I, I And agree. so people are actually able to raise more funding and to get more support on the back of saying, we're going to fight back, so we're going to give more, we're going to do more. And it's actually I, I propelling I a certain you. protest vote that may not have been there before.
3: That's true. I'll walk that back because so, I know that personally I have sent money to mm-hmm. women... Like that are running for office, not just here, but in other states, like state senators, and and, and, you know, we've discussed that. So, so I I think you're right. I think it's a bad climate, but I will walk back by saying it's not conducive to encouraging people to, to run for office. I would
0: like all the WFHB listeners to take a moment to realize that my mother just said I was right and she was wrong. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Thank you. I think I
3: said I would walk it back. I don't know if I said I was wrong. You
2: all know what she no, I, I think you hit on something else uh, interesting also. You said uh, you caution people not to normalize their behavior. What but what do you say about the 47% of the voting public who did normalize it when they voted for that
3: man. You know, and I'm sorry, Nicole, I no, don't need to Your Honor. <laughs> But I i don't know that they are normalizing. I, From everything I've read, some people want to change. They didn't care what the change would be. They wanted to change. And people voted against many of their own professed personal interests when they voted for him. That's their business. And quite frankly, let me be the first to say, I hope I'm wrong in terms of what I expect him to do in office. I hope that he succeeds because that will be good for our country. I don't have high hopes for that, but I sincerely hope that he does really, really well. But there are people that, when you say when i say normalize it's like there are bad behaviors that are just bad behaviors this man is trying to undermine the free press mm-hmm. he is trying to under i mean That's right now part. i'm a so called judicial person because he is trying to undermine the judiciary i i think that we cannot let him do that successfully i mean what he's doing is what i think they've called preframing he's he's framing the issues the way he wants people to think about them so that we are all getting, I don't want us to get used to saying things like fake news. I mean, fake news isn't fake news is lies. It's a lie. Yes. It's lies, you know? Yeah. And so we shouldn't ex- start accepting those things because this is what he does all the time. And that's what I'm saying, By don't normalize it. Don't accept it without questioning it.
1: I've got a question, you know, Bloomington and Monroe County, there's a, such a small line. We have two clerks, both named Nicole.
3: One. (laughs) Both who are black. Both Both whose last names start with a B. Exactly. So,
1: one, for our listeners, how do they know which office to go to? And two, how much confusion has there been between the two of your offices?
4: It's a running joke. It is a running joke. Um, And I first recognized it when I was chief deputy and someone came to speak with me because they said they had an appointment with me. And I keep four calendars. They did not have an appointment with me. Well,
0: we were both deputy clerks at the same time, also.
4: <laughs> so. So no. there's there's a running joke. I said I'm her biggest PR person because I say, well, no, sweetheart, you don't. But I all I get the other thing too. I get that people presume that they that I'm your daughter, right? So right. the running joke there is that I don't need to inherit the money if I could just inherit her her honor shoe collection.
5: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I would be quite happy with that. And, and you, I, know, I get complimented a lot about how happy people are. Um, and how their children say they're very happy to work for me and I always smile and say well that's wonderful so I know that it's good to work for Nicole Brown because people have said, Oh, my son just loves working for you.
1: So now he I have doesn't. to ask this because this has been there's been a lot of light banter here. So has anyone ever come into either office with a problem and left this gruntle to where you say, Well, yes, you know I'm Nicole Brown or I'm I can honestly
4: say that I have never I have simply I just, never. Said I refer to her as the equally lovely Clerk <laughs> Nicole. <laughs> Which I think is
0: very kind. So
4: if they cannot receive assistance in the Monroe County Clerk's Office, I simply remind them that the equally lovely Clerk <clears throat> Nicole will be happy to take care of them at the City Clerk's
1: and Office. And now with a follow-up question to that on a serious note, the duties of each of the Clerk's Office for our listeners out there that may not be aware.
0: Um, I think we have very different duties. Uh-huh. Um, Nicole Brown, as the county clerk, deals primarily with the courts and the elections, whereas my office deals primarily with the city council and their records, so we have, my duties are primarily clerical. We don't do a lot with um, with the county at all, so frequently when people come in and want to know about their speeding ticket or something like that, mm-hmm. I can't help them, um, so but Nicole can. And so I say, you know, you can go over to little Nicole because I call her little Nicole because I'm so much taller than she is. <laughs> there were just so, too
4: many similarities. So <laughs> it many apparently, similarities. became about height. <laughs> yes.
0: I'm yes. comfortable
1: in my height. They yes. had to be a both intelligent, both beautiful, both successful. <laughs> Thank you. I'm sorry. Yes.
0: She's much nicer than me. Ah, okay. So um, that's true. But I think are those the <laughs> thanks, Mom? <laughs> are those the main differences? Did I miss any you big ones? You did not. We can both memory. perform wedding ceremonies. All three of us. Really? Yeah, all, all three, three of, of us did. can, actually. Mm-hmm. And all have, three
4: of us did. Do you remember that the yes. day that same-sex marriage June was 15, legalized? in 2015. Oh, we these ladies had performing. my back,
0: yeah, and right. they came
4: over to the Justice Building and assisted me.
0: Well, in I was, marriage. In the was in the yeah. Justice Building. She was in the Justice Building. Sorry, please
1: excuse
0: me. <laughs> <laughs> and we all performed wedding ceremonies. Right. Now, yeah. how many
1: ceremonies were there that day?
0: Oh, oh,
3: well, I in the Justice Building, I know that there were about 80 that day, or those three days, and I did about 20. 25 of them. Wow. I did -hmm. did a lot of them.
2: Well, let me try and sneak one more question in there because we are running out of time. And this is for either one of you. Do you feel the support of the African-American community here? And are you constantly being pulled to represent uh, because you are one of three black elected officials? When I say represent, uh, you understand what I'm talking about.
4: Well, let me say first, it's, it's... I get an incredible reception from the Monroe County community for which I am incredibly grateful. Um, Having been caucused in, I was not elected in the traditional sense, Um, but I had people who came in during early voting just to meet me, Mm -hmm. came out and voted early just for the opportunity to meet me. That, I have to tell you, was an honor. Um, It was very emotional, and it was... I, there are no words it was just a thrilling experience um, am I asked to represent of course uh, I try to do that in my word and deed, and act and um, I am hopeful that when citizens of Monroe County look at me they look at uh, the best and what I believe is the best of city and county government um, and I am thrilled to have the opportunity to work alongside two other elected officials who have set an amazing example for me to follow. Oh,
0: that is so sweet. I, it. I, I think. I, that's I, what I mean when you're the nicest of
3: the <laughs> I, I think that um, I see a lot of people, you know, going through court and, and I, there's a large volume of people and people, even when they're in trouble, have said to me that it's reassuring to at least see somebody that looks like them when you know when they're in front of me and I'm on the bench. They know not to expect any special favors because, you know, I have to do what I have to do, but at the same time, it's it's good to be able to at least try to set an example and to say, okay, this is this is me being trying to be as fair as I can.
2: I know it has a calming effect, because uh, mm-hmm. when I stood in front of you, I was scared to death. <laughs> 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 and,
3: I think and that's another story, folks, for later. No.
0: <laughs> and I think in the city, it's been a tremendous honor and privilege to represent my community and other African Americans and be there just to say, yes, there are other people of color who represent the city, because... I'm the only elected official for the city, and um, sometimes being in the room and being the only in a council, black elected official. Only black elected official. And so, being in the council chambers during a council meeting, um, I am aware of that. Mm-hmm. And it is a big responsibility. And it's helpful when students come to the room or anybody else. And I know people watch on cats because they tell me afterward. Right. And so. And and
3: you get asked to mentor people and mentor people and to too. stand up
0: you know, for them, so it, it counts.
1: Just briefly, that question that just brought something up into my head. Hmm. Our young children, I know in school one of the things that they don't see is a lot of teachers who look like them. And you just kind of alluded to the fact with students, how are their reactions when they see you in your in your responsibilities? a black woman that's there when they kind of walk in. Has anyone said anything? Can you see it in their faces?
0: You know, um, I've seen it when I've gone to classrooms, occasionally to IU, but the only time somebody has really remarked on it, very frankly, was when we had a group of um, international students, uh, a group of them from various countries in Africa. Nicole, do you remember when um, they came over? and Nicole Brown came over to City Hall and we both spoke to them together mm-hmm. and they commented on how amazing it was because for most of their countries seeing two black women in positions of authority was unusual um, for most of the countries they came from. Was that the
2: Nelson Mandela group?
0: Um, I'm trying to remember. I don't think it was I think the Nelson was, Mandela group. There was a group, group from
3: South Africa There yeah. was, a was group, here.
0: But it was actually a group of um, several different scholars. They they were from all over Africa. I think we're um, talking about the same mm-hmm. one. I think
2: they
4: phenomenal because they happened to come as we were preparing for the presidential yeah. election. And but.
0: and it was just, it was an enormous, um, it, it was a wonderful check because recognizing the cultural differences and how it plays out mm-hmm. and how it appears not only in our own community but across the broader world community was, okay. it was quite a privilege.
2: One last question. Uh, what can we do to get more African Americans interested in local politics in this area.
0: Start reaching out.
2: Well, we're already. Okay,
0: I'm, I'm gonna know. say something and, right now. There's and put
1: a put the cost in there also. Talk the about cost. the cost of a campaign, et cetera. The
0: now, that runs from campaign to campaign. You can't really talk about the cost of a campaign until you know what you're running for. I think when you're talking about
3: how many is gonna more, be the most Yeah, expensive. how to
0: get people more involved in campaigns? You have to start reaching out. You have to say, come to this neighborhood association meeting, come to this border commission, come to this political campaign meeting. Heck, come meet me for coffee and let's talk about that stupid bill that they passed up at the state house that I don't like. You have to start paying attention and being involved.
3: And I believe that, that there's be a group in. that has and started there, now. And
0: there is a <laughs> group we're that we started that. <laughs> in Monroe County, that's right. which is a black caucus, so you can start getting involved. Now, um, it is a partisan group, though, because it's a Democratic black caucus. So I'm, I will say, you know, we have a Democratic black caucus.
2: And you just happen to be the vice president. And, of yes, and yes, we will have that, that group on. That's going to be a whole so other conversation.
1: We,
3: we did have that started up, and we're very, very sure. excited about that. Um, but I'm going to say that whether you're whether you're Republican, Democrat, Independent, Libertarian, whatever, be involved with your group because you will need to have a voice, and and if you don't, and you need to have active, a group. That's right. I mean, you know, it's not enough to have one. And encouraging like other people, bringing other people with you, having other people go to meetings with you, they may not know about those things that come up. Mm-hmm.
1: All right, well, we want to thank our three wonderful, inspirational black elected officials from for, <laughs> for Bloomington and Monroe <laughs> County. Nicole Bolden, Bloomington City Clerk, Nicole Brown, Monroe County Clerk, and the Honorable Valerie Houghton, Monroe County Circuit Court Judge, for joining us to speak
2: on the, on how they manage and excel their elected roles. Bring It On has an open submission policy, so if you have an idea for this program, we would like to hear it. Send your emails directly to our volunteer staff. The address is bringiton at wfhb.org. We want to share everything and anything affecting the African-American community with our listening audience in Bloomington and beyond. That email address once again, bringiton at wfhb.org. Support for WFHB comes from Bloomington Clothing Company, offering one-of-a-kind style and women's clothing, home decorating, and more located at 2664 East 2nd Street in Bloomington. More information is available by calling 812-345-2689. Next time on Interchange, do the arts survive revolution? In 2016, Netflix produced Four Seasons in Havana, a miniseries based on a quartet of crime novels published in the 1990s by Leonardo Padura. It's a Cuban-Spanish co-production with original footage from Havana and Cuban actors. What can a 1920s capitalist genre fiction tell us about Cuba under Castro? We'll also discuss the films of director Tomás Gutiérrez Alía and look at work by writer Alejo Carpentier. Do the arts survive revolution? Next time on Interchange. Tuesdays at 5.30 p.m. on WFHB. just heard Retreat by Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings. The Dap Kings, previously known as Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings, are a funk and soul band signed to Dap Tone Records. They are spearheads of a revivalist movement that aims to capture the essence of funk and soul music as it was at its height in the mid-1960s to mid-1970s. In December 2014, the band was nominated for their first Grammy in the category best R&B album of the year, forgive the people what they want. Unfortunately, Sharon Jones lost her battle against cancer on November 18 of 2016. She was 60.
1: This is Bring It On, the people's forum for black culture in South Central Indiana and beyond. To keep to keep up with local news and find out what's happening behind the scenes at WFHB, you're invited to like the WFHB Facebook page. Go to Facebook.com and search for WFHB, or you can always visit the WFHB News website at
2: wfhb.org slash news. Bring It On is Indiana's only public affairs program dedicated to the African-American community here on WFHB 91.3 FM and live on the web at wfhb.org.
1: It's time now to give you the latest perspective on the people, news, and issues
2: affecting the black community. For Bring It On, I'm Cornelius Wright. I'm William Hosea, and first up, Florida A&M University is launching the first African-American news network through its school of journalism. The black television news channel, BTNC, will be based in Tallahassee, and the journalism school plans to have the network on the air by next year, February 2018. On Friday, Tallahassee Mayor John Marks attended the ribbon cutting and was brought to tears. This has been a long time coming, he said. I really feel so proud to be a part of what I know is going to be a revolutionary as well as evolutionary. In addition to serving the African American community by highlighting news stories that specifically affect them, Marks said that the station would seek to knock down negative stereotypes and tell the rest of the story. You're talking about the unemployment rate for African-Americans, males, being like 15%. But guess what the unemployment rate is? About 85%. You don't hear from that perspective, Mark said. Already, both students and professionals are excited about the chance to work side-by-side on this new venture. For it, for it to be owned by African-Americans and then cater to African-Americans, that's just big for me alone. FAMU student Nathan Vincent said, we will speak and you will hear us is definitely something major for the African American community as a whole.
1: That's great news. Yeah. Unprecedented proposed law provides African Americans reparations and opportunities to better their lives. On February 10th, 2017, proposed legislation was submitted to the DC Board of Elections. It is a model for legislators to provide opportunities for previous slave owners and those that participated in enslavement of African American families to make amends. The proposed legislation submitted by John Cheeks, head of the United States Citizens Recovery Initiative Alliance, is the first legislation to provide benefits at no cost to the taxpayers. It is also an opportunity for individual families, industries, businesses, faith-based institutions, governments and others to be held accountable. The legislation will help descendants descendants of African-American slaves, many of whom live in poor, undeserved, and high crime areas in the United States. The benefits are not handouts and differ from other historical reparations, such as those given to Japanese citizens interred during World War II and Native Americans. The benefits include aid to business, providing educational opportunities, improving health, providing mental health, alcohol, and substance abuse care, housing ownership, financial protection, veterans' rights, credit acceptance, and career rights. Cheeks comments, all benefits are designed to improve life for individuals, families, and communities. In doing so, the nation benefits. His proposal was that these benefits will be paid by major U.S. and international corporations and foreign governments which fostered and participated in slave trade. Budgets are being prepared for distribution of funds collected from those entities that participated in some way with slavery. Eligibility criteria have been proposed with such included proof by DNA testing. Those claiming benefits must be 40% descendants of slaves and born in the United States. Distribution of the benefits has been proposed in part to be based on DC ward populations. Further details are being studied and are scheduled to be submitted to the Board of Elections by the end of this month. This is necessary for the initiative to be on the November 2017 ballot for the public to vote if such an initiative should be enacted into law. You really think they can
2: afford something like that?
1: Well, it depends. If they're gonna get it from the people, the corporations, and not the taxpayers,
2: it'll never happen. I'm kinda skeptical. And this is something that is just all the buzz uh, right about now. Presenters Warren Beatty and Faye Dunaway apparently took the wrong envelope, the one for Best Actress winner Emma Stone on to the stage for the final prize when they read La La Land as the winner for Best Picture. Redi- representatives for ballot tabulators PwC, formerly Price Waterhouse Coopers, realized a mistake and raced on stage to try to stop the acceptance speeches. Host Jimmy Kimmel came forward to inform the cast that Moonlight had indeed won, showing the inside of the envelope as proof. I knew I would screw this up, said Kimmel, a first-time host. Gasps were heard around the auditorium. Presenters, winners, and Academy of Motion Pictures Arts and Scientists huddled to discuss the debacle. Beatty refused to give up the envelopes until he could hand them first to Jenkins. La La Land director Damien Chazelle and Jenkins hugged amid the chaos. Even in my dreams, this cannot be true, said an astonished Jenkins once he reached the microphone. To hell with dreams, I'm done with it because this is true. Backstage, Stone says she was holding her winning envelope at the time. I think everyone's in a state of confusion still, said Stone. Later, the actress who pledged her deep love of moonlight added, is that the craziest Oscar moment of all time? And living with
1: history, Harriet Tubman's great, great grandniece wants black history celebrated every month. For Black History Month, The Roots spoke with Pauline Copes Johnson, the great-great-grandniece of Harriet Tubman, the famous conductor on the Underground Railroad, and a scout spy and nurse during the Civil War. They spoke to Johnson about how she's upholding Tubman's legacy and the importance of history. She was born Araminta Minty Ross around 1820 in Dorchester County, Maryland. Years later, she changed her first name to her mother's name, Harriet, And in 1844, when she married John Tubman, a free black man, she changed her last name to Tubman. In 1849, she began her exodus from a life of bondage on the the popular North Plantation to a new life of freedom in the North. Harriet Tubman traveled 90 miles to Philadelphia, carefully feeling her way through a place she had no knowledge of, but had met in her dreams. When I found I had crossed that line, she said, I looked at my hands to see if I was the same person. There was such a glory over everything. The sun came like gold through the trees and over the fields, and I felt like I was in heaven. Harriet Tubman, scenes in The Life of Harriet Tubman by Sarah Sarah Hopkins Bradford. Tubman, a five foot two inch warrior, woman's rights supporter and strategist, sought freedom at all costs. Her legacy is to keep going, and that's what I'm trying to do, and I hope all Americans are too. I hope we're trying to keep going to make things better for us, Pauline Copes-Johnson, Tubman's great-great-grandniece told Root. And that's it for the headline news from around the world for this week. Tune in again next week for the latest news on and for the African-American community. We want to know what you think of current black issues. Send your comments to Bring It On at wfhb.org.
2: For Bring It On, I'm Cornelius Wright. I'm William Hosea, and you're listening to Bring It On, Indiana's only public affairs program dedicated to the African-American community. Here on WFHB 91.3 FM on your radio and live on the web at (laughs) WFHB.org.
5: This land is your land.
1: just heard, This Land Is Your Land, another
2: song by the late Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings. It's time to bring you the events of interest in the black community for Bring It On. I'm William Hosea. And I'm Cornelius Wright. Monday, February 27th, uh, tonight at 9 p.m., Africa's Great Civilization. Three parts, three consecutive nights, beginning with Africa's ancient history as a cradle of mankind. This documentary series with Henry Louis Gates Jr. brings to life the epic stories of both little known and celebrated African kingdoms and cultures. as tonight on WTIU. And Sunday,
1: March 6th, the 40th anniversary concert of the IU African American Choral Ensemble, It'll be it Second Baptist Church at 321 North Rogers Street. And Dr. Raymond Wise, director, is the guest soloist. Dr. Michael V.W. W. Gordon, the first director of the African American choral ensemble 40 years ago will also be, it's his birthday party, and as a new, uh, let's see, on the 7th, excuse me, on November 7th, 1976, on his 40th birthday as a new professor, he appeared as Porky, and otherwise all-student production at the Indiana University Musical Arts Auditorium of George Gershwin's Opera, Porky and Bess. Gordon was the first black faculty member to appear in a leading role in the opera at the Indiana University. The newly formed African American choral ensemble that year under the direction of the ensemble's second director, Dr. Melanie Burnham, became the, entire, became the entire Very Able Chorus for the opera. A number of Indiana University School of Music faculty who have prof- been professional singers at the Metropolitan Opera
2: had appeared in leading roles at the Indiana University School of Music over the years. Featured at the Neil Marshall Black Culture Center on Tuesday, February the 28th is the movie Miss Ever's Boys begins at 7 p.m. at the Indiana University Cinema. And on the, the C, the African American Arts Dance
1: Company, the 19th Annual Dance Workshop is March 3rd and 4th at the Neil Marshall, Black, Neil Marshall Black Culture Center.
2: First Friday Poetry Slam on Friday, March 3rd at 7 p.m., also at the Neil Marshall Black Culture Center Grand Hall.
1: And if, if you have an event or an happening the African American community should know about, Please send the information directly to the Bring It On staff. Or if you want additional information about a calendar item that you've heard tonight, contact us at bringiton at wfhb.org.
2: Our thanks to our three black elected officials for Bloomington and Monroe County, Nicole Bolden, Bloomington City Clerk, Nicole Brown, Monroe County Clerk, and the Honorable Judge Valerie Harden, Monroe County Circuit Court Judge, for joining us to speak on how they manage their elected roles.
1: Our show's executive producer is Clarence Boone, with help from WFHB News Department Director Joe Crawford. Our news editor is Michael Nolan. Our board engineers are Jim Thrasher and Floyd Hobson. Our original theme music was created by Jamil Effium, with additional background tracks by David Baker for WFHB I'm
2: Cornelius Wright. I'm William Hosea. Be sure to tune in next Monday, March the 6th, for a special conversation with Ms. Tonda Pauly from the Indiana Democratic African-American Caucus right here on your community radio station, WFHB.
0: You've been listening to Bring It On,